Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. Have a good ego in order to stay working there. The people you surround yourself at work, so you want to be in the best social groups, they're mysteriously exclusionary. Who cares where you went to law school? Your success is based on a lot of other things. Okay, welcome and happy holidays. This is a live webinar. I will talk about what I'm going to talk about today. I will take as many questions as everyone has. And as usual, I have plenty of time. So it can be about this webinar or it can be about any other questions that you may have related to your career. This actually is a very important topic because I've noticed that a lot of attorneys either become very successful many times by using their ego or actually end up hurting their careers because of their ego and misunderstanding of what the ego is and how it relates to being successful and more. It's an important topic because ego is something that attorneys need. A strong ego can help you be more confident and can help you be more assertive. It can help you with opposing counsel and not get pushed around. It can be very beneficial in helping you negotiate, taking the side of people, and not getting offended when people say bad things about your client, not worrying about the quality of firm you're at or the law school you went to. All these sort of things can be very helpful. It can also give you resilience, meaning it will help you rise above issues and come back. It can make you more determined. And having a sense of self-worth and confidence is extremely important. Every attorney needs to have confidence. I've come up against some of the worst attorneys in the world and they still had confidence, and which is amazing. And they were in their 60s and 70s, and which is good. You need that confidence to be successful, but it can also lead to problems. One of the things that I've seen an ego, and I just wanted to bring this up, for whatever reason, when we poll the people that are on these calls, a lot of the people that attend these webinars, it's very interesting, are always from the top firms, meaning the top 10 firms. And I think that's because many times the people that are the best attorneys are interested in learning, which is great. Learning, doing, getting this sort of information is very important. It can make you a better attorney. And obviously, I've been doing this for 25 years. I've worked with tens of thousands of attorneys, and our company makes thousands of placements now per year. So we have a very good understanding of different types of attorneys, and I certainly have a lot of advice that can help you. One of the things I did want to say is many times when an attorney goes to a top law school or does well there, or sometimes they may have and gets a job at a top firm, it can often create what I think is a sense of entitlement. They may feel that their law school automatically tires them to certain privileges and opportunities. Then because of that, they're less likely to work hard. They may turn off candidate or other attorneys in the firm that may not have those things and pretty much get blown out of the water and very bad experiences despite being very smart. I see that all the time. And it tends to happen to people a lot of times that went to the very top law schools, which would be like Yale and things like that. And then sometimes the kind of the lower end schools or the top 10, which would be like your Michigans and Virginias and stuff that happens to them as well. A top law school and top law firm can also create a lot of overconfidence. You may feel that you've already are automatically qualified for certain positions. And if you're not treated well, even by a top 10 firm or top 100 firm, that will put you in a position where you can leave and do other things. Many times they may make mistakes and not be thorough and, and more concerned about being treated a certain way because of their background. That's an ego issue. So I wanted to bring that up as well. 
then sometimes people are more focused on their prestige than anything else. So I wanted to bring that up, being very concerned if you have very good qualifications, your ego can also many times hurt you to some extent. I did want to talk a lot about ego today. Being an attorney really needs doesn't ego, but there's a difference between a kind of a healthy ego and a non-healthy ego. To some extent, it can actually lead to mental disorders and other things. It's often a, a cause of unhappiness. There's a lot of writing out there by people that lawyers that have written about ego and things. But if you're a law student, you're right now going through mental changes that law school gives people. The Certain law schools do it more than others. Where I went to law school, Virginia, like it was always portrayed as a law school that didn't push that type of change so much, whereas other law schools did. Before law school, most attorneys, and I actually believe this, are actually healthier psychologically and physically in the general population before they start law school. They often start with a very good sense of self-worth. And, and then he says that in his research, he's found that the formal structure of law school starts to change that rather than come back to their self students begin to focus on external values like their status comparative worth and competition certain people come from very good families and have very good parents where their parents build them up they talk to them about problems and they give them suggestions where they have good role models they watch their parents do certain things and overcome certain issues their parents are very encouraging they have a good support network of parents and friends and others that they may have developed and other people don't. I'm not judging and I'm not saying one is different than the other, but when you don't have that, a lot of times that your ego, instead of coming from parents and others that may have built you up from the time you're, that happens to a lot of people, unfortunately, many times with substance abuse problems, relationship problems, and all these problems, you can many times go back and see that in the family dynamic, for whatever reason, they weren't getting what they needed. And it's very sad. So then those people, for their values, instead of reverting to their history and having something to draw back on in models, they have to get it externally. Sometimes people join gangs if they're in a bad neighborhood and they deal drugs or they other people become very good students and then they start doing that. But law students in particular become very focused on things like status and uh, their comparative worth to other people and their competition with other people. And, and he says that we have seven very strong studies that show that this can twist people's psyches and they come out of law school significantly impaired with depression, anxiety, and hostility. I had a very interesting thing. I've told this story before, but I was in law school and, and I was in this outline group and I was in the library and there was a, a friend of mine, not a, really a friend of mine, more like an acquaintance, but he was in an outline group with me and uh, and he had this incredible outline and it was just for our property class and it, it had transcribed things that the professor had said the previous year, which matches the same thing he taught. And it, I mean, it was just the most amazing freaking outline I'd ever seen and then had summaries and then it was great. And I was like, where the heck did you get this? And he said, I got it from someone who's also in our outline group. And, and I said, well, who else has it? And he told me, I don't know, there were like 12 people or whatever for weeks we have to do. And he said, pretty much everyone, he named seven or eight people. And I said, can I have a copy? He said, no, because I promised each of those people that I wouldn't never show it to anyone. And and I'm not even supposed to be looking at in the library. And I was like, wow. And I said, can I copy it? And he said, sure, but but I don't want you copying it in town. I want you to, 
and I came and I was in Charlottesville. I want you to drive out of town like 30 minutes to copy it. And I was like, to this other town, I don't forget what it was called. And I said, okay, sure, no problem. So this is back in the days when people had to run things through copiers and everything. So I did that. And then I brought it back. And then I was in this outline group. And there was this thing that Virginia was very interesting where if you lied, you got kicked out of school. If someone caught you lying, you were brought up by this honor code and all these things. And so I went up and I asked each of these seven or eight people that he told me had copies of this outline if they had it, because you'd all stand out in front of these classrooms, like these big groups of people before these classes, and then the classroom would open, you'd go in. And each one of them said no, but something along if you see one, if you have it, if you see another outline, let me know. We'd love to I'd love to see it. These were people that were in my outline group and that I would even study with. I was amazed that all these people said, no, they didn't have one. And then I went and I remember then one day, a week later or something, I was sitting behind one of these people that said no. And I saw them looking at this outline and following the class. So amazing that this is how a lot of times people will act. And because of this competition, these people were lying and, and really, if it says that law school can create depression, anxiety and hostility, it certainly, that was a very upset thing because these are people that, that I thought were my friends or at least people that I knew well. And so academics often study law students because they're considered sort of the bellwether of the profession. And a lot of times they encourage students to take emotion out of their decisions. You're, you start reinforcing the lack of emotion decisions with grades and money. And you're not just suppressing your emotions, you're changing who you are. So think about this. All of these people were lying to me in this example I'm giving you, just lying right to my face, which, and they were risking I guess, getting kicked out of school. And I don't think they would have really been kicked out of school, but the school did kick people out for line. I had an instance, this is just my sophomore year or third year, second year of law school, I guess it would be sophomore year, but school, and I had maybe 300 students. This um, There was a legal research class that all these third years were supposed to take and 10 people were kicked out for plagiarizing footnotes. It's just right before graduation. So they took it seriously, but you're changing who you are. And, and a lot of times when you study lawyer's happiness, there's just a lot of psychological factors that kind of erode during law school. And, and these are factors for that are very important for the well-being of lawyers. This is a quote from a professor and that the wrote in what, what makes lawyers happy. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. The factors emphasized in law school, which are grades, honors, and career income, don't really have any bearing on ultimate lawyer well-being and happiness. It just doesn't compute. It's not, and I'll talk more about that in a little bit. But after lawyers begin law school, they often experience a lot of depression, negative mood and physical symptoms, and a corresponding decreasing in effect and life satisfaction. I had an instance where I think I may have told this story last week, 
where talking about, I think it was take, talking about taking vitamin D or something to someone because it gives you, it can give you energy when the sun goes down and when you start being less sun and because your body, it's a good thing. So I was talking to a friend of mine while studying for exams and I said, you know, what's really good for, and he'd gone to Harvard for college and then for graduate school and then I was at Virginia for law school. And I said, you know, what's really good for energy. And he said, what, Prozac? And I said, no. And he said, what? And I said, why do you say that? And he said, all my friends or everyone I know at Harvard is taking And Prozac back then was, I guess, a, I don't know if it still is, but a very popular antidepressant. And a lot of people rely on outside things when they become law students that they may not have had before. And there's also the shedding of idealism. A lot of times people, when they say they want to go to law school, they talk about being interested in public interest and all sorts of things. And then within the first year, their motivation has often shifted. So these are people that did really good things for the community and were interested in the community. Then all of a sudden are become more interested in making money and extrinsic types of things that they may not have been interested in. And, and this can make you very unhappy. The highest salary does not make you happy. The most prestigious firm does not make you happy. Going to the best law firm does not make you happy. These are not things that makes you happy. Make you, happy. you may believe they do because this is what everyone's talking about, but they don't make you happy. And, and law firms in the law school can really hurt you. So rather than a healthy sense of self, a lot of people will base how they feel about themselves based on how they compare to others. And I'm sure that you as an attorney or law student have seen this and, and probably do it yourself. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this. Everyone does. But it's it really does create an endless cycle of unhappiness and it can haunt you and stay with you throughout your career. People do this forever. I talk to attorneys these days and people that I know and I call them and they tell me, where they're living, what they're driving, what their what club they are, who cares? They're, what restaurant they got into or they're, where their kids are going to school. Or I got a call on what was it? Monday afternoon. I was driving back from skiing and someone called me and said that I hadn't spoken to in 20 years. And the first thing out of their mouth was my nephew just graduated or from this Cornell or something. And I was like, really? This is what I hear after? And so people become very focused on this stuff. And this sort of ego in this direction will really affect you in a negative way and determine the type of person you become. If you are concerned about the quality of firm you're at and define yourself on that, if you are concerned with how much money you're making and always define yourself on that, if you are concerned with what other people are saying about you all the time and to base your life on that. If you are concerned with all these things, you're going to have problems. You're, what are you going to do? Because you can never control it. So this is what creates substance abuse problems. This is what creates depression. This is what creates stress. This is what creates, it can create cancer and early death. And it can create divorce when you're always, it can create a multitude of problems that could really be avoided if you didn't put the stuff in control. And this is so prevalent that many times the better the attorney, often the more the ego is in control. Again, like I talk to attorneys at all levels, but I talk to attorneys that do incredibly well and ones, but the largest egos are all over. They're really all over and, and it can hurt you. And, and this is your self-consciousness, your sense of self and how you view yourself compared to others. And I keep coming back to how you were raised and the input you got and the, the sense of self you have and where that comes from. Because if you don't have a strong sense of self and you're getting this stuff from outside things, which is okay, but you should have some sort of support, whether it's a family that you build yourself or your ex that helps you. Because all people are ego-based and compare themselves to others. They compare how they look, how they feel, where they work, who their spouse is, all these things, which 
is unfortunate. And a healthy ego allows you to have perspective and to not allow these feelings to overwhelm and consume you in your actions. And, and you really do need to have a healthy psychology that, and insight to realize that none of this is compared to your self-worth and what is necessary for you to be happy. And, I, and again, I'm the reason I'm talking with so much passion about this is a big deal for attorneys. And it's a, probably a big deal. It's a big deal for most people because I want you to be happy and I want you to live a good life and I want you to to, to really do the best you can. And because if you're, if you do have an unhealthy psychology and you base your comparisons and believe that happiness is related to this, it's going to, it's going to be unhealthy. And this impacts all sorts of people. I can't believe how many people it impacts. I've had instances where, where I've been called on the phone by very well-known people, like famous attorneys and deans of law schools and well-known people in the legal profession saying, and this is what I'm thinking of not too long ago, I would like to have lunch with you or something. And I'm like, wow, what an honor. Okay, I'll have lunch with the head of this AMLAW 5 firm or whatever. And the person's, yes, I'm I'm in San Francisco on business, but I'm coming down to, I'd like to come down to LA and meet with you. And I'm like, great, no problem. And then the person gets here and I'm having lunch with a well-known person that's for all intents and purposes, it could be my, a lot of people's hero. And uh, all of a sudden, this is a recent one, the person pulls out a computer and I've said, I've ha had a nice lunch with you, but I was just curious why we're here. And the person will say, I'll tell you why I'm here. And I look at this computer and the computer's got like a, like some sort of mask on it. So you can only, you can't see it looking sideways. There's cameras. You can only see it if you look directly at it. And the computer says, I'm here because an article appeared on one of your sites and it said something mean about me or whatever it was. And I would like you to take it down. And I'm like, wow, like this is literally, this is a famous person that, yeah, that's well known. And I've someone on my staff or something written an article or something that, that put this person in a bad light. And this is how upset there. Other times, if you really want to upset someone, there may be a negative review about a firm or someone. And it's the same thing happens. So people are extremely concerned about how others view them, even the most successful people. And now let's talk about some very famous people. If you get to the level of someone like even Musk, who just decided to resign from Twitter because he did a poll and people said they didn't like him and they didn't want him to be CEO anymore. Now, I don't know if that's a healthy psychology or not, when you spend billions of dollars on a website and decide that you don't, but then you resign because of them. People care. They have very weak egos. And I don't know that he has a weak ego because he's done incredibly well, but, but the unhealthy psychology can create problems. So do you have a healthier and healthy ego? How do you know? A lot of people that are very successful practicing law have often allowed their ego to dominate them. And because of that, they're often very unhappy with their lives. They're constantly pushing themselves in their jobs. They never feel good enough. There's some sort of void that can't be filled because of their egos control the conversations they have with themselves every day. They're very concerned about their egos and how they look to others. And they, these egos dominate them. They allow them to feel good or bad about themselves, successful or unsuccessful, fulfilled or unfulfilled, based on their analysis of where they sit in the pecking order. And this ego creates your identity through your evaluation of yourself compared to others. And, and it's very common when this happens. And to the extent you base your self-worth and how you feel about yourself and comparing to others and your peers, 
you're going to be more ego-based. And to the extent you do not base your feelings about yourself on your comparison to your peers, you're going to be less ego-based. This ego is such an interesting thing. So it's so interesting because it's so many people want to put themselves in a certain pecking order and they want to really look like a certain type of person to others and to put it's very interesting and that how people do this and not basing yourself on these sorts of comparisons is very important people are social animals and they tend to rise or fall based on their ego's analysis of themselves based on who they compare themselves to and and one of the problems of course of going to good schools many times and so forth is that often going to judge yourself much harder and especially and also working in major legal markets like new york or in la and chicago and at least houston and all these big legal markets is that you're going to be around people and compare yourself to them and and that's how it works now there are benefits to that you can often do very well based on that you will rise to the level often of the people that you're with. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. It's actually very common. I had an interesting thing happen. I was invited to this dinner years ago of a guy that had he'd started this real estate training company and made all this money and then sold it. And it was a big company, hundreds of employees. And, and, uh, and he'd sold it. And then he decided to spend three or four years going to talk to the Dalai Lama and the most successful figures all over. And the only conclusion that he reached was that people become this, and he was looking for enlightenment and to meet God and everything, but people become people that you surround yourself with are what really what create you. And if you want to be very happy, you surround yourself with happy people. If you want to be very close to God, you surround yourself with other people if you want. So the groups you are with are very important. I'm not going to deny it. And I will just say for you personally and everyone on this call personally, if you spend your time with people that are very unhappy, you're going to be unhappy. If you spend your time with people that are very competitive, you're going to be uncompetitive. If you spend your people time with people that are very happy, you will do well. And and it always happens. I've you could, for example, be best friends with someone and that person could be very happy and then that person could get involved in another social group of other people that aren't happy and all of a sudden that person is unhappy and and then maybe it's not good for you to be with them. But, but you will compare yourself that the people you're around will determine your success. If you are in a law firm with people that are not successful, that's probably what you will become. I'm not saying that to be mean to you. I'm just saying that's what will happen. I had an experience my first summer. Do you want to take back control of your legal career? We have a solution for you. Harrison Barnes, the number one legal recruiter with over 20 years of experience, hosts weekly webinars followed by live Q&A sessions every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. These webinars are packed with helpful information that you can use to advance your legal career. Best of all, after each webinar, Harrison stays for as long as needed in order to answer every question. Where I worked uh, in the Justice Department and in Washington, D.C., and no one showed up before 10, and everyone was getting out of there around 4, 4.30. And even though it was some of the smartest people you could imagine, I think they all went to Yale, Stanford, and all those kind of schools. And it was a fairly small group. 
they, the people almost seemed like zombies. They weren't happy. They didn't have a lot of energy. They just, and I would walk out of there. And, and then I think we, there was, I was near Paul Hastings and a couple other really good firms. And I would see those attorneys and I would be like, these are the people I want to be like, and not these people that I was with. And I'm not saying everyone in the Justice Department's like that because it's just not true. But, but this particular group that I was with, it was like that. The people you're around do impact your happiness. And um, the most competitive and smartest people have certain ways of thinking, acting, and setting goals. They're going to run offer you and raise your standards. This, by the way, is the reason you want to go to a good law school. It's not because you're going to learn anything differently. That's because you're going to be around, if you put your side, if you go to a good law school or a good firm, you're going to be around people that have higher standards for themselves and are probably going to become uh, more successful as well. You're not going to learn anything differently, but the quality of people, meaning their motivation, their goals, their intelligence sometimes, and I'm not saying that in a negative way, may probably going to be uh, higher. And one of the things I'll say right now with all these law schools not reporting themselves to U.S. news and things, essentially what they're doing is they're saying it's very interesting because there's this kind of change in society going on where we're moving more towards socialism. And, and I'm not judging that one way or another, but the reason the law schools don't want to have to report their numbers is because they're saying that we don't want these types of standards. We want to admit people that are very concerned with social justice and not money. And we want to do this. And those types of people may not have the best grades. And we want to admit uh, and we're having a hard time getting the type of diversity of whatever that we're in that we want with the way things are working. We don't, we want to be able to not have to be accountable for these standards and we want to have a different type of group of people. Now, is that good for the legal profession? That's what they think it is. And there are certain schools that don't believe that, which are Chicago and Virginia, some other ones that haven't. But but it's interesting. Families, of course, want to live in the best neighborhoods because of things not just like safety, but because other children are likely to socialize and be around people who have higher expectations for themselves. That's just how it works. This is why people go to private schools and live in good neighborhoods. It's amazing that works. I it's just the way it is. I was I had an experience where I grew up in a city called Gross Point with some people that I went to elementary school and, and this is in Michigan and and the year and there were people that much smarter than I was in different classes. I mean, at least they were doing better in school. Anyway, when I was in these Gross Point public schools and then I ended up going to a kind of a boarding school and in my boarding school a bunch of people went to Yale and places like that. And But it was interesting that in Gross Point, one guy I know went to Yale on a football scholarship and said he was the first person in 25 years from Gross Point South to go to Yale, which was a good school at Gross Point South. And I was just amazed. So I think the, the environment you're in can sometimes have a huge impact on what happens to people. And that's why people go to try to go to better colleges. Those sorts of people are often less likely to go to prison and they're more likely to become more successful. It's not because those schools are teaching anything different. It's because of the people that they're around and the standards those people have. And it's also the same thing with social groups. So you want to be in the best social groups many times you can. People join, spend a lot of money joining different social groups and being very competitive on that because those social groups have certain values and certain advantages and influence how this influences us. I had an experience where I was talking to this Tony Robbins, who's a, like a motivational guru. And early in his career, he caught someone's attention that was a, a president of a major network for something in LA. And, and Tony was young at the time. And 
And they said, we'd like you to join the social group of ours. It's, I don't know, $150,000 a year, but you can, there's all these very famous, or not famous, but very successful and well-known people in it. And it's maybe 20 people. And, but it's $150,000 a year. And Tony was like, I don't know if I have the money to be part of this. And he said, you can't afford not to be part of it because you're going to absorb of these people's way of thinking and everything. And it was $150,000 a year because they chartered jets and took all these trips and who knows what the hell the heck. But anyway, so they, and this is probably 30 years ago, 25 years ago, I don't know. But And he joined it and said it changed his life and his career. So people do this because these sort of groups and firms and things, they can also rub off on you and they're very important. And children do that. So children try to be part of the popular and unpopular groups. If you're influ- if you're impressionable, you will join groups that are more concerned with popularity than scholastic things. And if, who knows? And if you feel excluded from certain types of groups where popularity, where it's about looks or sports or whatever, and instead you become academic, you may feel inferior and that's a part of it. And it's the same thing with legal employers. And this is very important. Uh, it's very difficult to gain entry into these law firms. They're very exclusionary. They're mysteriously exclusionary. I have firms that happily, that never Higher laterally. Some of them are Cravath and Wachtell and some other places. They may in the future, but they're very nice to me. They, but they never are going to hire people and from us and because they don't hire laterally. They just don't. And, and there's certain ones that even though they do hire laterally are very difficult to get into. And people want to be part of these groups and they want to do them for a lot of reasons. I will call up. I may have open. Sometimes I have openings where a law firm saying we're looking for a 10th year trust in the state's attorney. It could be a big firm. It could be Simpson Thatcher. Who knows? Like some of these firms have very, and we're looking for a 10th year to take over someone's. And you could call someone that's very well established at a smaller firm and they will always, almost always say yes to talking to it. Now I'm not saying uh, Simpson Thatcher is not a firm that I've ever done this with because I don't but I'm just using them as an example. But certainly, they, I think they do have a trust in the state's practice. But, but the point is that the candidates will immediately jump on the opportunity to get into these firms, just how lawyers are. And, and the best firms, typically, there's reasons people want to be in, and they have the best work, and then they do the work for the largest and most prestigious companies. And if you do try to move into these better groups, they will... The ways of thinking and the ways, the goals you set around those people will rub off on you. I started my career at a firm where, you know, attorney a couple doors down from me became head of the FCC. I was appointed by Obama because I went to law school with them and, and other things. So those ways of thinking and things, and there were other people that became very well known and famous, rub off on you. And, and it's a big deal. The people you surround yourself at work, I want to talk a little bit about this because it's very important. And what type of thoughts do you yourself with? What type of things are you reading? How are you thinking about things? Because the most attorneys, especially the most successful ones, are really caught in a very ego-centered profession where you're constantly comparing yourself with others. And that's tough. And it's set up this way. So you're being sliced and diced into different boxes, which determine your status. You're either a an associate or a partner or counselor or staff attorney or contract attorney. And it's so pronounced that it's, it can be consuming for many attorneys. They just, they can't deal with it. It starts where you go to law school. It's crazy. Who cares where you went to law school? I'm sorry. I, again, I'm in the legal placement business, but I've come to the point of view that I think it's good to go to a law school. I'm not denying that. I think everyone wants to do the best they can, but it's just, it's, I don't like how people base their futures and if they're going to become successful based on these things, because it's just not true. It's 
you can your success is based on a lot of other things. But the slicing and dicing starts where you go to law school. And, and the higher rank schools give you more prestige earlier in your career and can give you a higher sense of self. And then your grades in law school matter. And they determine where you get your first summer job and, and where your first job is. And if you don't do well in law school for whatever reason, that can hurt you. And then if you don't get a summer job, that can hurt you. If you don't, if your first position is not what you want it to be, that can hurt you. Now, that can hurt you in your own mind, but it, it doesn't necessarily hurt you. And I want to just be clear with you that if you didn't get a summer job, or you didn't get into a good law school, or you didn't get into the best firm or whatever, these are just temporary setbacks. And, and you should use these as rocket fuel to empower you to do better in the future and to try harder and to find more opportunities. You shouldn't be using these as reasons to feel badly about yourself. It can also determine by the size of the city you're in, by the quality of your firm, by all these things. And so people really base themselves on that. People base themselves how successful they are, whether or not they got a job in a big city or they are the big firm in the big city and all these things. And then and then they talk about that and that becomes important. And then so attorneys, then they start, once you get through all this, then you start comparing yourself to attorneys in your own firm and how you're doing compared to them and what the firm says about you and the amount of work you got and the hours and, and whether or not you're working with the most important partners. And then you start comparing yourselves based on your hours and then that they bill and the all this stuff and it could be consuming. And then and then if you become partner, partners are even more guilty of this. I think being a partner actually is much harder than an associate or any other type of role because what happens is then you start comparing your others based on the amount of business you bring in and then the number of hours you build and, and how you're being compensated. Some of the attorneys with the lowest self-esteem that I encounter many times are partners without business or partners. It's very sad and it's just how it works. And many attorneys are always seeking to get into the best firm as they can and there's nothing wrong with that and and they want to work with the best people there's nothing wrong with that but i think a lot of it's related to ego attorneys want to be in a position where they evaluate themselves more highly in comparison to their peers that's just how it works and, and a lot of attorneys want to work for the best law firms they can because this gives them more status compared to their peers they're always they're always comparing themselves to others and feeling good about yourselves based on your accomplishments comparison your peers is a trap that a lot of attorneys fall into and spending their careers that's all the time we have for this edition of the show if you are an attorney looking for a change head on to bcgsearch.com 